With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon on a Wednesday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. Back to local programming for the next couple of hours and appreciate you spending some of the morning here with Trent Condon and myself, Ken Miller. Uh, coming up today on the BMW of Des Moines guest list. Well, Trent and I have a very short show tomorrow, so we wanted to make sure, at least I did, because I like Steve Sipple. I do, too. I know you do. You guys have some good uh, back and forth uh, during the football season. Mm -hmm. Not sure if you can um, basketball will move the needle, but Sip will be here uh, as we will preview tomorrow's game, Nebraska and Iowa. A game, I guess, now Iowa has to win, right? Mm -hmm. After what Purdue did last night to Wisconsin. Uh, So we'll talk uh, basketball. We'll talk Big Ten more so. Uh, with Stephen M. Sipple from the Lincoln Journal-Star. Look forward to catching up uh, with Sip at about 1025. Uh, Michael Swain, CycloneAlert.com, 24-7 Sports. Going to do a good long piece with him. Uh, basketball from last night, certainly. But Matt Campbell met the uh, media yesterday in his off-season press conference. It was good to see him doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, some news came out of it. I guess we'll pick uh, Michael Swain's brain on uh, what he heard on both football and saw last night with his own two eyes, basketball-wise, uh, at 10.45. Wednesday at 11.05 means David Kaplan joins us from Chicago. Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors our weekly conversation with the cap man we'll go around chicago sports white Sox, cubs bears dot 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 with cappy at 1105 and then kevin layman uh, washer systems of iowa sponsors kevin's appearance during the basketball season we'll preview the valley uh pick his brain as to what we think we'll see unfold uh in st louis that starts tomorrow night five o'clock for the eight nine game followed by seven ten the winner that got that game to take on the drake bulldogs on friday night at five oh five oh eight what an amazing i guess you can call it day mm-hmm. of college basketball yesterday is baylor west virginia tipped at four o'clock went into illinois michigan uh, Iowa State, Texas, to be followed up by Purdue and Wisconsin. I didn't see the Michigan State game. Um, Indiana, I know the Sparty won it. There was just so much going on. Um, but Michigan State moves closer to the bracket by the sounds of things. Yeah, they got the victory, and uh, we mentioned that one yesterday. Had a chance to be good. Both teams basically playing for their NCAA tournament lives at that point, and it turned out to be the case. Uh, Ole Miss comes home again. Yes, nice. Put that one in the win column and another productive night. And the Horizon League, there were some games last night. There was a triple overtime game with the number 1 seed Cleveland State. 
Might remember them back in the 80s beating Bobby Knight in Indiana in a 314 matchup. They got it done in triple overtime. What a wait, 104. Wow. And where was that game on? Was that on CBS Sports Network? That, I, I think it was a plus. Was I think, it a plus game? Yeah, I think that was a plus. I was just okay. seeing mostly Twitter, yeah. people going nuts, yeah. and some of the college basketball junkies that I follow talking about that as the semifinals are set in the Horizon League. And uh, one other note, you mentioned the MVC tournament coming up. I was re- reading the UNI game notes this morning, and uh, this will be the first time since 1919-1920 season, 101 years ago, mm-hmm. that conference teams from the Missouri Valley will play three consecutive games against each other, Illinois State UNI. Is that a fact? Now, I mean, it makes sense on the well, surface. The way they, yeah, the way the schedule was drawn right. up this year, right. But you even think back, yeah. I don't know, during, during the Depression, yeah. they didn't just play a bunch of games against you. I don't know. It was just struck me as yeah. kind of funny. That is an odd nugget, no doubt about it. And I'm going to guess probably something that you would anticipate is not going to happen unless... Another uh, hundred years. Another pandemic. pandemic hits, so you and I and everybody that's listening will yep. be uh, long gone here uh, should that occur. Uh, anyway, so let's get into it. I guess we should start with Iowa State, what mm-hmm. we saw yesterday. No receiver Bolton. He couldn't answer the bell. Um, boy, Texas. Where, where, where are you on Texas? Because this is a... It's a turnover machine. Trent, they turned the ball over 19 times yesterday. 19 turnovers against Iowa State. They are one of the teams, when we talk about the tournament, is about matchups. And I think they are more dependent on matchups than a lot of teams. Mm -hmm. Of course, there's elite-level teams, and they're on their own. And Mm -hmm. are there more difficult matchups? Sure. But Texas is a team that, if they're not shooting the ball well, A, they're average at best. Yes. Even with that length, and you think they would they're be... They're athletic. You hit the nail on the head. The length and the athleticism. But you would think they'd be better on the defensive end mm-hmm. than they are overall. It's just, with that size, with the length, with the athleticism, they should be better on that end, and that's not always the case. Texas, at this point, was still, what, a week and a half, really, to watch them play whatever it turns out to be, two, three, four more games. They're probably a team I'm not going to advance in my bracket to a Sweet 16. Sight unseen, yeah. that's where I am with the Longhorns. I'm with you. I mean, they're just, um, look, they just make stupid passes. <laughs> yes. I don't know how to, yeah. other yeah. way to yeah. put no, it. You're right. You know, and they they should be much um, take care of the ball much better than they did yesterday. Uh, look, Iowa State. There was a there was a point in the first half of the game yesterday. It was like three minutes and thirty seconds. Texas had gone on a seventeen zero run. It's thirteen eleven for the Clones, and in the blink of an eye, it's twenty eight to thirteen. Trent, it wasn't even four minutes, and the score had changed that significantly. And Iowa State kept cutting into it, and it would get it to eight, and then it would go back to ten, and then you're wondering, because the game tipped, did it tip at 11 and a half? Did that, that was the number when we got off the air yesterday. It was. Uh, closing line, 12 and a half. 12 and a half. Is what it closed at. Well, um, look, we didn't expect Iowa State to win the basketball game mm-hmm. yesterday. It's, uh, and I'm not sure there's, I guess Saturday's the, the last hope, right, against K-State. I don't see them going to Lubbock tomorrow uh, and beating Texas Tech. But I don't know. It just seems like... The, the the thing that drove it home to me, did you see Randy Peterson quoted Steve Prompt? PD tweeted this uh, from his uh, Twitter, at Randy Pete. This is Steve Prom apparently after the game. The program is expected to be in the NCAA tournament. It's expected to go to Kansas City and make a great run. It's expected to be a tradition-rich program with great people. Steve Prom realizes 
that he's not getting the job done. He knows what the expectations are. He knows that he's failed miserably this year. This team has failed to meet any of those three uh, expectations. Well, maybe they still got great people. But you know what? You get my point. Uh, He's judged by what happens on the floor. Trent, there's no way... You just can't bring this dude back, man. No. You can't do it. This team is going to go winless in conference in all likelihood. They will be a one-and-donner in Kansas City. Uh, it's an event that Cyclone fans annually have on their calendar and can't wait to make the trip trek to Hilton South uh, and take over. And they do most years, and success comes along with that a lot of years. Um, but this year... I mean, why would you bother to go down there to watch the inevitable? There's no way they're winning a game in this thing. In all likelihood, I mean, I haven't seen it. I I didn't see the bracket as of today, but they're going to get Texas Tech potentially. Yes, yeah, it would be the seventh seed. It was the seventh seed. They'll see them tomorrow night and then get a rematch with them next week. Prom knows what the expectations are. He knows that he's not living up to expectations. Um, I keep hearing that Jamie Pollard... (laughs) Doesn't want to write the check. I get it. Okay. Um, but how can you, you can't afford not to? So we get to the point as we were, I think, three weeks ago, probably to this day, because mm-hmm. seemingly the clones play on Tuesdays, and we're trying to figure out who the next guy is going to be. Three weeks ago, you threw out the name John Beeline. Mm-hmm. Since that time, it's, uh, especially in the last week or so, I'm starting to see more John Beeline. Oh, yeah? Connected with Iowa State. And you were the first one that said it. And I, when I thought of it, I thought, yeah, come on. He's 68 years old. I think we had to check. Yeah, we did. Yep. Um, I mean, I, I got the I got the um, uh, the wow factor that goes along with that, that that would certainly, I would think, get clone fans excited. But it's the age thing. But you know what? Leonard Hamilton's 76. <laughs> yes, right. And, and doesn't look, look he, it. No, absolutely doesn't look it. Um and does that mean that everybody at the 76 is, is but, but you get my point. So I don't know if he, I think that, if you heard, does he want to get back into coaching when I he left it. the NBA? Yes. After that, I mean, he made a mistake, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of us make career mistakes. Um, he got a big check out of it. He though. did get a big check. Um, and, and good for him. But you get my point. Was there, at any time after that Cleveland experiment went awry, that he said, I got to get back to the college game. I got to scratch my college basketball itch. I'm a college basketball guy, dot, dot, dot. Did you hear that? I never saw it or heard it or read it or anything like that. But for the guy that we know John Beeline is and the way that that guy grinded throughout his career, it was not you know some quick ascension up and all of a sudden he had the West Virginia job. He was at the lower levels of college mm-hmm. basketball yeah. for a very long right. time. And he got there and he got there. By being who he is, and a great offensive coach, a great offensive mind, a guy that was able to adapt and change as college basketball adapted and changed it with him. I love John Beeline. I think that is a home run hire. Mm-hmm. You have to build a staff. John Beeline of Michigan, he did not recruit at the level that we're already seeing Juwan Howard right. recruiting at. Doesn't he have the number one recruiting class coming in next year? Three I saw? McDonald's All-Americans. Jesus. Three of the 24 kids that'll play in Look out, well, Big Ten. They're not playing the McDonald's All-American game, but right, right. that were selected for it are going to Michigan. Not quite the Fab Five, but a pretty tremendous three mm-hmm. when you bring in three yeah. of those guys next season. That's not what Beeline did. Beeline, though, was about development. And realistically, 
in today's environment of college basketball is Iowa State in a position where they're going to perennially be bringing in McDonald's All-Americans, top 50 players, two, three, four a year. No, you have to be developmental. We mm-hmm. see that on the football side of things with Matt Campbell, mm-hmm. and that's the same thing with basketball. You do have to be a developmental program, and John Beeline, he can develop talent. He can, and again, I keep going back to, to Prohm's quote that, that Petey put on his feed yesterday. Programs expect to be in the NCAA tournament. It absolutely is. It's expected to go to Kansas City and have a chance uh, to advance through the weekend. Not going to happen every year, mm-hmm. uh, but certainly you're going to go down there with a fighter's chance, and your fan base is going to follow you down there, and they're going to take over the Power and Light District, as we've seen many, many times. And, and this program couldn't fall any lower. He lost 20 games last year. He's going to lose that again this year. He's going to go winless in the Big 12. I guess you give them a chance on Saturday against K-State. A chance. But does that change anything? No, I don't think so, Trent. You know what it does? The only thing it changes is it makes that goose egg go away. Yeah. that That's the only thing. And at the end of the day, is that going to um, move Jamie Pin- uh, Pollard's opinion one way or another? Don't know. He's been very quiet. Uh, what do you make of that? The fact that he hasn't come out in, I mean, we've seen, we, we've seen coaches get that vote of confidence. Yes. And then obviously that doesn't pan out. There's, there's a reason it's the misnomer, the dreaded vote of confidence right, because a right. lot of times it's So means is it better well. that the boss is keeping his uh, mouth shut on Yeah, this? I guess you could certainly spin it that way. I, like you said at the top though, how do you sell season tickets? You can't. How do you generate excitement? Pandemic's over. Come see what you missed. Right. Okay, you're going to miss the building. You're going to sit there. Look at this roster, Trent. Mm-hmm. Look at the roster. I get that they've got a good point. He's a freshman. He's going to be playing against a bunch of good point guards in the Big 12. And who's he going to distribute the ball to? Yeah, Terry Hunter's not going to come in, average 15 points, 7 assists, and the best assist to turnover ratio right. in the country. It just, right. It's not going to happen with this, this roster. I understand. Yeah, you got a really good player. We got to give another guy a chance. Right. This is now three out of four years where they haven't made the NCAA tournament. Back Since to back. Hoiberg's kids were gone. Yeah, and even with that, you know, the high water mark was in year one of Prome. They got to the Sweet mm-hmm. Sixteen, and remember, Virginia beat them in Chicago. They did and pulled away in that uh-huh. one. But how did they get there? They with beat- Marielle Shayok on yes. that team, Iona, and Arkansas Little Rock. That was the path. They didn't even have that big victory in the round of thirty-two mm-hmm. to punch their ticket. It was a bracket. That opened up for them. Mm-hmm. They went ten and eight in the conference that year. They went ten and eight in the Big Twelve with George Niang, Deontay Burton, Abdel Nader, Nazmi Trulong, mm. Monte Morris, Jamel McKee, Matt Thomas. That team, Trent. That's a lot of NBA talent on that team. Ten and eight in his first year. Okay, Are there five NBA year. players on that? Now, don't Mi Trulong's uh, languishing yeah. in the G League. So Burton, yeah. Nader, mm-hmm. Thomas, George. So that's four. Did I miss an NBA player on that roster? Uh, no, I know. I think you got him. Went 10 and 8. Went 10 and 8. Went to the Sweet 16. The following year, as it was the senior year for Burton and Morris and Mitru Long for a full season this time. Yeah. And Matt Thomas. Better in the Big 12. They went 12 and 6 that year, but they lose to Purdue in the round of 32. Mm. That much talent. That's the best you can do. And then since those two years, you missed three out of four NCAA tournaments, back-to-back 20-loss seasons now, and a possible winless Big 12. Mm -mm. You just can't come up. Nope. I know. know, We all know it's a pandemic. Yep. But when that is the only argument you have, I don't think there's a leg you can stand on. You can't.
Um, you could have if it would have been a five or six win big a Big Twelve conference slate, but winless. The way they're losing games, you look at that roster. Uh, I I just I just don't see I, I just don't see it happening. I really and truly don't. All right, two eight four five nine six six. If you want to chime in, we'll take a couple of calls on this. Again, we're going to talk Big Ten with our friend Stephen M. Sipple from the Lincoln Journal Star. More on Iowa State. Matt Campbell met the uh, media yesterday. Uh, we'll pick Michael Swain's brain on anything that may or may not have come out of that. Um, opportunity to discuss with the media. We'll uh, pick his brain on football and on basketball. I just wonder who the fan base... And I, and I believe the majority of the fan base is at that point. I really do, that the majority of Iowa State's fan base has come to the point that they realize it's inevitable, and who do they want? Yes. Who are they looking for? Who's going to be that guy to lead Iowa State basketball back to a place that it's been and can be again? The mid-major flavor of the month will we will learn about here in the coming weeks. That will come through. On the surface, is there anybody that makes sense from that level? And, And what does that do? What kind of excitement does that create? Not a whole lot. Well, Steve Prong came in last time. Different circumstances, though. Murray State had, but they didn't have that magical run, and then it was right after. Because Hoiberg, remember, this was a month later yeah. after the tournament. Mm-hmm. Just the timing was so much different right. than what you normally get. And because of that, but yeah, the mid-major moniker, that's a problem. I think you need a splash. I think you need a splash to sell this. Um, it's a football school again. It is. <laughs> right, slow down. <laughs> well, during the Paul Rhodes era, it was a basketball school. You're right. All right. A nine and three season, and now you're a football season. Yeah, football. Well, pro. look what they're doing under Campbell, though. I mean, they're 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 reaching some heights they haven't seen before. I don't know what you'd call it. I don't think it's a basketball school anymore. It's a track school, cross country, cross country school, golf school. I mean, they do golf school, they, yes. got some dudes uh, that are having some success out there. Uh, unbelievable. All right, so let's get to what we saw in Michigan, Illinois. So, what did we see in Michigan, Illinois? Because, I mean, I saw this a lot. Um, it's not Baylor and Gonzaga. In fact, it might not be Gonzaga. Best team in college basketball might reside in the. It was an off night. It was. That's how I take. Uh, that's how I take what I saw last night. And Illinois playing without Tosomo. Mm-hmm. I mean, phew. played about as well as they can. I don't think they could play any better. And even right? if he was out there, they couldn't have played better than they did last night. Much like I talked about Friday after the Iowa Michigan game, and I more than anything just mm-hmm. chalked it up to a bad mm-hmm. night. I think you do the same here. I think so, too. Here for Michigan. And though Michigan is not going to get their full complement of games, and it still annoys me that the Big Ten seemingly placated to them to not get them as close to the 20 number as everybody else. I still think this is a tired team. Mm -hmm. This is a team coming back. And though they weren't hit hard by COVID-19 like Baylor was and the tired legs, this is more of a campus Mm -hmm. and athletic department shutdown here. I think that's what you're seeing. It's a team that's tired. There's a lot of tired teams. And, yeah. well, just look at college basketball as a whole. Last week, Iowa gets pummeled by Michigan, beats Ohio State. They move up four spots because everybody was losing. What was it? I think 19 of the 25 ranked teams last week lost a game. That's what happens at the end of February, early March. Mm. You have tired legs and maybe the tiredest of teams that we've seen ever because of what these kids are dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Being tested right. every single day. Right. The travel. It's not just going and hopping on a plane and going to West Lafayette for a game. Heading down to Waco for a right. game. No, there's so many more parameters. Get in your room and stay there. Yes, don't move. Yeah, Hook up your PlayStation, yeah. have fun. Because you're not leaving. Right. <laughs> you're, and you know what? 
our team meal. We're going to be socially distanced. You know, that was one thing I was reading about the NCAA tournament is when they're having the team meals, kids can't even sit at a table together. Yes, Their teammates, they practice together. Huh. They're around each other all the time. But because they want to keep that six-foot distance, yep. in a case of there is a positive case that you'll be able to say, well, they weren't around each other mm. for 15 minutes. Those te- Big Ten teams... You get to the final four, you're going to be in Indianapolis be in Indy for a while, for a long time, yeah. basically a month in a I'm hotel. Say over three weeks. Yeah. yeah. Hey, just this this story real quick before we get to Stephen M. Simple. So, did you see Terry Bradshaw's story? Did you see Did you see the Terry Bradshaw story? For those of you who didn't see it, and Terry Bradshaw's trending on Twitter, I'll tell you why. So, go back to 1983, apparently, and Terry Bradshaw, then of the Pittsburgh Steelers, then of the four Super Bowl rings. Quarterback of the Steelers is checking himself into a hospital where he's going to go under undergo rather a minor procedure to on his elbow. Right, nineteen eighty three. Terry mm-hmm. Bradshaw checks into the hospital, and I I don't know how you do this in a hospital because I would think you would have to register as yourself. Do you know who he registered at in 1983? What name did Ta- uh, did Terry Bradshaw use when he checked into the hospital in 1983 to have elbow surgery? To have el- Tommy John? No. Mm. Tommy uh, Brady. Tom- <laughs> he checked oh. in as Tom Brady oh. 40, no, 38 years ago. That's wild. Isn't that cr- an unbelievable coincidence? Right? 1983, a hospital in Louisiana to clean up his elbow, and he checks in as Tom Brady. You know Terry Bradshaw took a visit to Iowa? I didn't know As that. a high school Did prospect. he really? Yeah, ended up staying home, going to La Tech. Huh. Uh, Rick wants to chime in, then we'll take a break. We'll get Stephen M. Sipple from the Lincoln Journal-Star. We'll, th- we'll pick his brain on the Big Ten. Um, what's the line going to be tomorrow? Nebraska's won two straight. They have. Uh, Minnesota and Rutgers, correct? Yes. Yes. Ken Palm, I think, had it at like 17 or 19. Seven? It was a big, That's big a number. Ton of points. Let's see what it would be currently. As I click on it, it would be 17. Get a guess it's going to be a tick lower than that. 14 uh, and a half? Yeah, I think that's 17, 19 is way too, much, way too many, I would think. Uh, Rick, uh, what's on your mind, Rick? Welcome to the program. I just wanted to comment. Um, I had coached high school girls basketball for about 20 years, and one of the comments on the CML realignment I think that people don't necessarily keep track of is how it impacts the lower level and how those lower level teams, when they can have some success, um, generate the kind of player involvement that you need. You keep you keep athletes that maybe aren't a basketball player uh, involved because they're competitive. Mm-hmm. They're not the bigger schools, the, the talent trickles down to the sophomore team, the freshman team, yep. the eighth grade team, the seventh grade team. And if you can put those kids in competitive situations, you'll hold their interest and you'll actually raise the level of your upper upper level participants. Rick, can I ask you, are you seeing, Is because I think it's a wonderful idea, I really do. Are you seeing blowback, Rick? Are there people out there that think that they're, I mean, well, I guess, what is the criticism of this uh, proposal? I, I don't understand it. Yeah, I, and, and I, I, I think tradition probably has a lot okay. to do with it. Um, and I think just, you know, uh, geographic things, but 
I don't think there's that much out there. And when you talk about, I heard people speaking yesterday about Mason City being an issue kind of out there on their own, but Mason City is already a 3A, or I'm sorry, excuse me, a 4A school in basketball. They'll have a, you know, a 5 and 14 record in in the 5A class and then drop down. You know, they actually were state qualifiers not very long ago um, in the 4A thing. So, and it has been, it hasn't been that long ago that conferences had uh, multiple class members. Uh, when I coached early on at Johnson, we, we transitioned. We were a 3A. 3A, I remember that. Playing, play, playing in a 2A conference. Um, and, you know, when we reached the point that we were ready to make the jump and were competitive, I think it could work almost opposite, you know, where an Atumwa might be in size you know, um, a 5A, but be actually a, a good member of a 4A conference. So I think they're just going to have to look at some of those things on a case-by-case basis and what makes sense for travel and not having kids on buses for four or five hours. Um, it all shakes out by the time you get to district play um, or, you know, state or stuff. Right. State play. So, uh, you know, I, 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 there's been many times I remember um, coached against, you know, Carroll, not to pick on them because their program is on, you know, really coming up. But I remember one time talking to their staff and, you know, they had like five kids out for in a class. And it was because yeah. they were being so unsuccessful right. at those lower levels, you know. So you got to get the and, kids. And you, miss, and you miss athletes. You miss demonstrators that, you know, become. Yeah, Rick, uh, you're, you're dropping off. Appreciate the call. And uh, have you seen? I mean, you're our high school guy. Have you yeah. seen blowback on this? Uh, a little bit. Why? It's just more. Well, well why, why are you leaving? You know, what, what, it, things get tough, and you just ah, leave. Please. The circumstances are completely I'm a high school athletes, <laughs> right? I'm and six. the disappointing thing for me, going back, there are two arguments. It's the football side, which is its own equation, mm-hmm. and then here on the conference side. And of course, we don't have conference football anymore. We have districts, but. I thought the association had a great opportunity to really dive into this topic a little bit deeper, understanding the differences socioeconomically between here the city schools, schools like Davenport Central, Davenport West, those kind of schools compared to the suburban brethren. But they didn't do that. They kind of took the easy way out. And it feels like for some people, maybe the same thing's happening here. Des Moines Lincoln plays at a different set of rules than Valley. It's yeah. just it's a reality, <laughs> right. and it doesn't matter if it's baseball no. or basketball. And Rick brings up a really good point. I think we've all seen this firsthand. You're getting your beat, your head beat in time in and time out. My my grade of basketball. We had some really good players, but as a team overall, we weren't that good compared to the guys a couple of classes ahead of us, a couple of classes home. And after three years of just getting beat up, a lot of those guys quit, and they didn't play as right. juniors and seniors. And those guys would have been good varsity basketball players, mm. but they were sick of going five and thirteen. As a seventh grader, they were sick of getting beat by thirty by St. Ansgar. They they didn't want to have those games, and because that you lose kids. Same thing here. You go out there and you're playing for North, and you're just trying to learn the game because that's a lot of times what's happening. Mm-hmm. And you get beat eighty two to eleven. Yes, you want to come out the next year for that? No, absolutely not. I, I couldn't agree with Rick. I, I guess I didn't realize that there was this much uh, blowback. I don't think it. there's a lot. Good, but good. There shouldn't be. There's always a percentage. You know that. Absolutely. Uh, we have to move on, and we will. We'll come back. Stephen M. Sipple, Michael Swain on Iowa State in 15 minutes. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106. It's time for Sip. 
<laughs> Stephen M. Sipple from the Lincoln Journal Star talks with myself and Ken on Nebraska football. I mean, I have a radio show. We have callers. I pay attention to my Twitter notifications and all that. There's definitely some frustration. We talk corn huskers, and you never know what else is going to come up. With 30 years on the Nebraska beat, here's Stephen M. Sipple. As long as they're paying me to talk, I'm just going to keep doing it. Hi, Stephen M. Sipple, Lincoln Journal Star, a weekly guest during college football. I was going to say it'll be here before we know it, but it won't be. we got a long, <laughs> got a long, long spring and summer. Indeed. And that's okay. Yeah, good to catch up with the old friend. How are you, Sip? Yeah, it's really good to catch up with you guys. How are things in Des Moines? Doing well and looking forward to tomorrow night. And uh, as I said in my text message, Trent and I literally have like a 15-minute show tomorrow due to state basketball. Or we would have had you on tomorrow to preview tomorrow's our game with uh, Iowa and Nebraska. A Nebraska team sip uh, that's won two in a row, uh, that had their leading score leave the team recently. But um, so, what's the difference in this in this uh, Huskers team? At least recently, they just pummeled Rutgers the other night. Well, I mean, I would. One thing I would tell you is that they're probably the most interesting seven and seventeen team you could ever imagine. I mean, the, or at least the discussion is really interesting. Um, their leading scorer, Teddy Allen, who eight days ago, put 41 points on Penn State, mm. which is the second highest total in program history. He left the program on Monday, and people view it as a, as addition by subtraction. <laughs> so right right away, right there, it's just, I mean, it's fascinating, right? He's easily their leading scorer at 17. He was at 17 a game. He's no longer with the team. But, you know, the consensus in the fan base is Nebraska got better when he left. So right away, it's an interesting discussion. And they do. Now I'm not going to come on your show and be critical of Teddy Allen. Um, he's had a, he's had a rough, he's had a rough life. I mean, he's got various issues, a tough upbringing. Um, and it wasn't a bad party. It, it wasn't, it was, it was characterized as mutual, but here's the bottom line. The ball did get stuck in his hand a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, Fred's offense is very free-flowing, reliant on quick passing cuts, um, and and it's very reliant on the three-point shot. And We've seen that before. You know, yeah, and contested three-point shots aren't what you want. And, it, but, and if the ball's moving and the offense is working like you want, the, you know, the, the three-point, shots are less apt to be contested and you know experts would tell you that contested three-point shots fall into the basket 15 percent less than um, non-contested ones do so you know there you go do the math and Nebraska's just in the last few games particularly against Rutgers but even before that they they moved the ball well and they look good offensively and here's the deal they play good defense since they came back from the COVID pause for the last 12 games, I mean, they're just a good defensive team. So, you know, I'm not, I would never pick them to beat Iowa right now, but uh, I could see them 
you know, they're going to they're gonna make it tough for Iowa. Really good recruiting class coming in next year. Of course, with the speculation about Iowa State's job coming open, a lot of people are trying to make the connection with Hoiberg. How solidified do you think he is there? Going in next year would be your number three, a recruiting class that welcomes in a top 25 player in McCowens, whose older brother is on the team. $10 the, million dollar buyout. Yes, the uh, the bespeckled uh, man from California, Breitenbach, and also a, a top 10 Juco player coming in. Looks like recruiting is going very well for Hoiberg. Do you think that's something that, at least on the surface, Hoiberg would even entertain if Iowa State came open? Well, I mean... I, I thought for a second a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, that maybe, but um, Kenny alluded to his buyout. It's ten point two five million. <laughs> no, no, he ain't going. He ain't going. Out. No. Iowa State isn't going to pay him uh-uh. a ten point two five million. I mean, not this climate, not this financial climate. Um, so no, I don't think. I, no, I don't think Fred is going anywhere. And here's, you know, I said it's an interesting conversation. Here's, a, here's an example. Fred, I believe his Big Ten record now here is 5-34. and 34. And he has, I would almost say, I mean, his, he has a ton of support. I don't, you, you won't find many people you talk to who don't support Fred Hoiberg. Um, he has a lot of support. I mean, overwhelming majority, I would say. At five and thirty-two, I mean, a lot of that is. I mean, just the way Fred is. You, you guys know how Fred is. He's very even keel, um, very pleasant, unfailingly pleasant, unfailingly polite, um, extremely likable, like a mayor would be, or in a lot of cases, mm-hmm. um, like a small town mayor. And people just love him. Five and thirty-two, or five <laughs> and thirty-four, whatever it is, people just love him. So you know he's he, I and I think that it's a new it's a really nuanced conversation. You definitely see. I wrote it earlier in the week. You definitely see that there are reasons for optimism, record notwithstanding. It's I find it to be a fascinating conversation because they're seven and seventeen, um, and they're they're pretty good. You know, I mean, they're they're not a bad team. No, look at I. There was a Friday night. I don't know, two or three weeks ago, Sip. They took Illinois to overtime. If the if the Huskers yeah. could have made a free throw to save their life, that one would have ended up in the win column. We see Illinois is an absolutely legitimate team, and Desomo just put them on their back in the final. Uh, I don't know how many minutes it was, but carried Illinois uh, over the finish line that day. So let me ask you a Big Ten overall question. You've seen them all. Uh, wh- yeah. How would you power rank the top three? Uh, in the Big Ten, from what you've seen, oh, I in the, in this market, um, I people know I've been so wrong about Illinois. I was I was <laughs> I was singing the Illinois is overrated song. <laughs> I was saying, come on, this team's not. <laughs> I, 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 I this is hard to say. <laughs> Um, over here. Can I stop I you, Sip? Saying, Illinois is nowhere near as good as, as Michigan. Well, then that, I, I was, you and I were singing the complete opposite songs because I was saying that Michigan's overrated earlier. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> then people should listen to you and not me. The I thought that Michigan was much more balanced <laughs> than what happened last night. Illinois beats Michigan without Io 
and Kofi Coburn only scores 12 points. Mm-hmm. They apparently have some balance in their line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I was wrong on that count. Um, I, what I would say is that it'll be really disappointing. I mean, really disappointing if the Big Ten doesn't get a team in the Final Four. Mm-hmm. Really disappointing. I mean, I would think it would be, that would be, uh, yeah, I, I don't even want, that would be a bad deal for the league, as good as they are with, you know, you're going to have two one seeds probably and a couple two seeds probably. So you got to you got to push a team or a couple through. With that, Sip, we uh, finish up with some football. Just an overview. Saw a lot of transfer news here during the offseason. Lots going on. Fill us in and just give us a two minutes uh, overview of what this offseason has been to this point and a look forward to spring football for Nebraska. Oh, it's, um, I mean, they've added two really critical players out of the portal on offense. Um, there's a kid named Samare Ture from Montana that had, there was an FCS All-American receiver and gives Nebraska the kind of outside threat perimeter guy, not a squad, a pure perimeter guy that could beat you downfield. They needed that desperately. And then they brought in, uh, I think the most interesting player is Marquis Stepp, who I would say is the odds-on favorite to be the starting running back. He is a USC transfer. He, he carried it 100 times for 500 yards at USC. He was a four-star recruit originally out of Indianapolis area. Um, so th- that's big. I-, I think the most interesting thing to me during the offseason has been Frost repeatedly saying even after Wandale Robinson, Wandale Robinson's departure that he feels better about the skill position. Uh, he's interesting. He's always he always expresses confidence. Uh, people now kind of roll their eyes, but I, I think he genuinely believes it. He thinks they're better at the skill positions than they were last year, and that's a critical part of the conversation in Nebraska. We shall see. Sip, we're out of time, my friend. Good to catch up with you. We look forward to doing it uh, in a month or so once college basketball is over and spring football is going on. Uh, we'll, prick, uh, we'll pick your brain more. So thank you, Sip. Appreciate you coming on. Good yeah, to talk to you. Yeah, you probably yeah, you probably want to ask me more about football. All right, thanks, guys. Yeah, good to talk to you. See you at Sip, a Lincoln Journal star as we catch up uh, on the Huskers. They have played better since the COVID break. They have. Yeah. They, they have. There's no doubt about it. And I'm just not saying that based on their last two, which were both wins. Uh, but they've been in, in some basketball games, and they looked lost earlier. How about the love for Hoybrook? Five yeah. wins, and they just love them. <laughs> um, well, remember, this is a program that has never won a game yeah, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Michael Swain, we will talk... More football on Iowa State when he joins us. Next is Matt Campbell. Met the media yesterday. It's Miller and Condon till noon. 1460 KXNO. 106. for details. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. Uh, ten minutes before the hour of eleven here on a Wednesday, David Kaplan coming up. Let's get right to Michael Swain, 
CycloneAlert.com, 24-7 Sports. Uh, Michael Trenton, Ken, as always, appreciate your contribution here uh, this morning. Let's uh, recap last night and then pick your brain on what Matt Campbell had to say uh, yesterday. No Rasir Bolton, apparently day-to-day. I assume he'll be on the airplane as they make their way to Lubbock and then into Manhattan for the weekend. Uh, they need him. Uh, if they're going to win a game in conference, what's the likelihood he plays before uh, the Big 12 tournament, Michael? What have you heard, if anything? Man, it does not sound good right now, at least. What Steve Prohm had to say last night was that it's an ankle sprain, but that there's swelling kind of around his foot area where he's having trouble walking right now. And if you think of, you know, having trouble walking in a week away as your, your opening game of the Big 12 tournament, it's not necessarily a good sign, and especially for going forward into this weekend. You know, he's not going to practice today. Iowa State will travel today down to Lubbock, um, where they'll play tomorrow night on Thursday, and then they'll fly from Lubbock to Manhattan, Kansas, where they play on Saturday. So it's going to be a lot of flying, and that's not necessarily great for the swelling um, of that ankle. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure Iowa State's going to be doing everything they can to get him back because things did look a little ugly at times last night without Rasir Bolton. Final game of the year at Hilton Coliseum and uh, departure of Solomon Young. No, they had senior day festivities a week before, but his last one, maybe one of his better ones, certainly of his senior season, Solomon Young went out there and played well against that big front line from the Longhorns. Yeah, he definitely did, and I think it's a tough challenge for him going against a team like that where they do have two, three guys that are just big human beings. And the thing about Solomon Young is he's just not the biggest guy, but he uses angles really well. He uses experience really well especially on the offensive end of the floor and I think just at times when he goes up against these big seven footers it seems like Texas every season has you know the multiple seven foot guys down in the post but um, yeah, he did a pretty good job last night I think he and George Condit did about as well as you could do against that big Texas front line mm-hmm. especially considering the fact that Iowa State was really undersized at the guard position all last night but yeah definitely maybe not the end of Solomon Young's career that he would have wanted you know yeah. not getting a a win this season in Big 12 in Hilton, but I think he's definitely one that you can hang your hat on having a really, really good Iowa State career, especially at Hilton. Mm. What do you make of this Texas team? Then we'll get to football. Uh, I mean, 19 turnovers yesterday. Very undisciplined team. Uh, they're big. They're athletic. They should be. They should be better. I think. Just looking at them, I test wise, you think, oh my God, this got to be a you know a top 25 team all day long. But man, oh man, they make a lot of mistakes. Definitely, and you mentioned the eye test there. I think the thing that stands out to me is that they look like an NBA team out there. A lot of ways you know, they do. Someone, you know, like they've got Greg Brown playing the three, and Greg Brown is going to play the three in the NBA, or maybe even the four in the NBA. You know, they're just a really big team, and they're just so fascinating because they've got experienced guard play. They've got really good bigs and wings, but there's just something about watching them play that maybe doesn't always look the smoothest, and especially ever since they kind of had their – COVID issues and Shaka tested positive, I don't think they've looked the same. You know, early in the season when they were on the long win streak, I think it was up to six games maybe, um, they looked like a dominant team that could really beat anyone in the country. And now I kind of maybe have backed off the opinion that they are, you know, one of the top five, six teams in college basketball. It's where, you know, they're a really solid team that if they get a really bad matchup in March, I could see them falling early on, especially if the opposing team can shoot threes and really have some veteran guard play. So over to football yesterday, hearing from Matt Campbell for the first time in quite a while, and some interesting things, starting with spring practice. I love it. I know Ken loves it, because once we get through basketball season, we're looking for local content, and we're going to get it with April spring football. We're happy to see it. Your thoughts and and some of the takeaways from, 
I thought some interesting comments about spring practice for Matt Gamble. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it, the timing of spring practice is really interesting, too. It sounds like Iowa State's going to really aim for an April 1st start date for the spring practices. They'll get the 34-day window to hold the 15 practices, I believe it is. But you look across college football, you know, I believe Kansas State starts their spring practice today, and there are plenty of other Big 12 teams that have started their spring practices. And it's just interesting that Iowa State's maybe taking a little bit longer of a break, you know, coming off of what was a really hectic end of the season. You play in the Big 12 title game you go to the fiesta bowl you know on, on january 2nd and that's a really long season i mean if you think of back to it you know those guys were on campus in june so iowa state's taking a little bit of a longer break now you know they're going to get ramped up with the strength conditioning heading into spring but i think for me maybe some of the big takeaways i had was first of all trevor downing being back fully healthy mm-hmm. you know he missed all of last season or except for one half i should say you know he went down with the injury against louisiana but getting him back is really big because He's someone that is arguably one of the best offensive linemen Iowa State has, and all of a sudden you have a full experience of guys like Daryl Simmons getting more reps there, so really deep unit there. Um, and I'm interested to see kind of hearing what the players have to say about Dave Andrews. That's someone that I think Matt Campbell raved about last season. The players raved about him last season. I'm really just interested to see what they say about getting a full spring under his watch because he's someone that, yeah, I think the world of, I think he is just an incredible strength and conditioning coach who listened to everything everyone has to say about him. And I've not heard anyone say anything that isn't just raving about his approach to not only getting guys stronger, but I think keeping guys flexible, making sure that they're able to peak, you know, when you get into those November and December months. What's the concern going into spring with this football team? Um, I think you might point to maybe some defensive back stuff. You know, who's going to fill in for Lawrence White? Mm-hmm. They've got Jaquan Amos coming in um, out of Villanova, a transfer. That second cornerback spot's going to be interesting next to Anthony Johnson. Um, is that going to be a Tavon Kyle and Daytron Young, or is someone like maybe a TJ Tampa, who I think the staff is really high on, uh, will he slide in and play some corner this year opposite of Anthony Johnson? I think those are maybe the, the two positions that have the biggest question marks because yeah. you look on the offensive side of the ball and you've got just about everyone back. Yeah, Tampa's a, he's a big kid, right, for a corner, isn't he? Mm-hmm. 6'2". Is he 6'2"? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got that, that NFL type of Love it. You know, frame to him where you've got the long legs, you yeah. know, really long arms, and just a big guy in general. So my final one for you, Michael, uh, I saw that – Though Campbell didn't have anything to say individually about these seven guys that have already enrolled out of the freshman class. Want to get your perspective. You deal, of course, over at 24-7, a lot on the recruiting side of things. Of that group of seven, who do you think has the chance to make the most impact during their freshman season? And we'll see what a freshman campaign looks like. Of course, you got the four free games that they can play. But of that group of seven, who are you most excited to see out there? Oh, I'd love to ask about this. Um, this is something mm. I wrote about a little bit early last week. Oh, nice. um, I think it's really fascinating. I think Malik Verdon is definitely a name that I think fans should get used to. He's someone that is six foot four, two hundred five pounds, um, coming into college. So he does have already kind of the frame that you want at the defensive back position. He's someone that maybe could get some run on special teams and kind of being maybe utility player. And then Tyler Moore too, a tight end out of Johnson, Iowa. Um, he's someone that I think could also maybe fill in that special teams role. And the thing with some of these early enrollees is, you know, Iowa State's so deep across its roster that those guys aren't necessarily going to have 
the same opportunities as a normal year when you don't have everyone coming back. So I think for those guys, just finding the opportunities to make an impact on special teams is really going to be, I think, the biggest area that those early enrollees can make an impact in 2021. Interesting. We'll talk a lot more about this, Michael, but I just want to go back to the offensive side of the ball to finish things up with you here. Um, we, we, we know what, uh, what Hutchinson brought to the field last year. He's terrific. Uh, he really shone. And you could see why Oklahoma, et cetera, was, uh, really wanted him. Who's that second receiver going to be? I know Tariq Milton's going to come back with, in his spot, but who's going to be that, you know, that other, is it Sean Shaw? I've always thought that Wilson had a chance to be that guy. Skates, there's been a lot of, you know, buzz around him, but, you know, this is what year three now coming up into, into his tenure. Who's going to be this, the guy opposite Hutchinson? Uh, I, I think it'll start out being Sean Shaw, but I, I, I think Darren Wilson has a chance to be really good at that position. Um, and I think Joe Skates is a, a really high ceiling. I think it's maybe more of a consistency thing in terms of just being able to, uh, produced down to down, but it's interesting. You look at the end of last season. You know, Sean Shaw's snap count went down a little bit towards the end of last season. Darren Wilson's went up, um, and he's someone that Darren Wilson. If you remember back to the Big Twelve title game, he was in at wide receiver on that final drive mm. alongside David Hutchinson. So I think if that's any indication of you know who the staff trusts or who they think can make big plays going down the stretches of big games, um, he's certainly one of them. But yeah, that position battle I think is going to be one of the most fascinating ones to watch. Because the wide receiver position for Iowa State wasn't great last season. But, you know, you look at Trey Milton, Daniel Jackson, you know, guys that missed time. And all of a sudden you look and you're just kind of looking at maybe one or two guys needing to step up. Michael Swain, 24-7 Sports. Uh, Michael, we will uh, find some time. Hopefully you'll find some time for us from Kansas City next week prior to the uh, Cyclones uh, appearance in the tournament. Michael, have a great week. 24-7 Sports, CycloneAlert.com. Thank you, Michael. Definitely. Thank you, guys. Good to talk to you, Michael Swain. On Iowa State. David Kaplan kicks off our number two. Off to Chicago we go. We're Miller and Condon. Weekdays 10 to noon. On Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO. 106.3 FM. <laughs>